Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The book of Judges, oh, what can I say? It's an exciting book. You know, I was in Barnes & Noble uh, about a week ago and uh, looking at, you know, all the books for dummies, which I kind of like them. I mean, I fit right in that category, you know. And, uh, but they have the Microsoft for dummies and they have Windows for dummies and computers for idiots, you know. And, uh, and so they have all the books for dummies. Believe it or not, believe it or not, this guy came up with the Bible for dummies, and I really like that book, which I don't know, it says a lot about me, but I really liked it. And in this book, he was talking about, he, of course, you know, going through every book of the Bible, he's talking about the book of Judges. And he says this of the book of Judges. He says, movie producers looking for blockbuster storylines packed with sexual escapades, gruesome violence, and larger-than-life heroes need look no further. The book of Judges has it all. Among the riveting tales in one is one about the wife of a religious leader who was raped by an Israelite man, Israelite men from the tribe of Benjamin. And then what follows is a bloody civil war that nearly annihilates the tribe of Benjamin. And then there's Samson, Israel's strong man with a weakness for immoral women. He winds up with an unwanted haircut, strength zapped, eyes gouged out, and dead in suicide. This is an exciting book with many famous gut-wrenching and distressing stories of what happened after Joshua died. I like that book, the Bible for, for dummies. Last week, last Friday, my wife is here, and uh, she's doing the ladies' Bible study, which is going very well, ladies. I hear that you're really blessed. And, uh, and I was at home last Friday morning preparing for the men's retreat. And so I'm getting my suitcase packed and getting, you know, my shirts out and what I'm going to take on my trip. And, and I had a particular shirt that I really thought would really be cool for the mountains. And so I wanted to wear this shirt. So, I, but it was dirty. So I, I called Elvira here over to church. And they're like, she's in Bible study. Get her. This is important, you know. So she gets on. She didn't come out of Bible study, but she gets on the phone. I said, honey, how do you wash a shirt? I have I got to admit, I have never washed clothes. I, have, I don't know. Fellas, am I alone? My brothers? Every, every, all the men are like, she makes me wash them all the time. Well, I don't know how to wash clothes. I really don't. I don't know how to use that big thing, those two big things, you know, in the washroom. I don't know how to use those things. So I called my wife and I said, honey, how do you wash clothes? I'm thinking I'll just wash it by hand or something like that. And, 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 and so I went over and I tried. I, I really did. I went over to the washing machine 
And I, and I looked at the buttons and I was just confused. I thought, you know, I need washing machines for dummies. I mean, I, I don't get it. And so I'm looking all at all the buttons and I'm studying them carefully and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, did she do this every day? This is groove. This is awful. So, you know, and then I saw one that said, um, spin. Like in spin cycle, you know? And, and it occurred to me, believe it or not, it, it, there's a method to my madness, but it, it, it occurred to me that here in the book of Joshua, you know what we see, what you see as a recurrent theme? Got a pen? Got a pen? What you see as a recurrent theme in this entire book is not a spin cycle, but a sin cycle. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, in the book of Joshua, we'll see as we move through it, we have seven sin cycles. Seven sin cycles. And they're actually an incredible picture of the human condition. What we'll see first of all, the people are devoted to God. And again, this is over the entire book. The people are number one, devoted to God. And then the people delve into sin. And they become decadent. And then the people are defeated by their enemies. They're devoted to God, delve into sin, defeated by the enemy. And then the people deplore their situation and they repent. And then fifthly, people are delivered. The people are delivered by the judges. The sin cycle repeats itself Seven times in the book of Judges, someone once said, and I think it's really true, history repeats itself, and it really does. We'll see this as you travel with us and trek through this awesome book of Judges with us. It's an awesome book. Now, now there's a contrast between the book of Joshua and the book of Judges. In the book of Joshua, we see an emphasis on faith. As the people crossed the Jordan, you know that they had to cross the Jordan by faith, by faith. They crossed the Jordan into the promised land. Here in the book of Judges, in contrast, the emphasis is not really on faith. The emphasis is actually on enjoyment in the land by faithfulness. By faithfulness. We enter the land by faith but we have enjoyment of the land by being faithful, by being obedient. We've been talking about the, the promised land represents a spirit-filled life. Do you know it is possible to cross over and enter the spirit-filled life and find yourself in disobedience and find yourself faithless? And so here, that's what the emphasis is here. If we as believers, we're filled with the Holy Spirit by faith, and yet we're not going to enjoy this spirit-filled life or this Canaan land or this Christian kingdom living that we've been talking about if we're not faithful, if we're faithless. And so the people are in the land, but they aren't obedient and they find themselves walking unfaithfully and compromising in sin. Now, when you think of the book of Judges, I don't know about you, but when I think of a judge, I think of Judge Judy. I think of Judge Wapner. 
Judge Judy or a judge. You think of a judge, judges, judges that wear black robes, judges that sit on the bench, judges that have a gavel in hand. When you think of judges here in the in the Old Testament, the judges in the Old Testament, they were not judicial judges. They were not elected officials. They were specifically gifted by God for leadership. The word judge in Hebrew literally means Heroic leader. You should write that down. It means heroic leader or it means savior. And so the men and women in judges did great heroic exploits for God. They were heroes, if you will. They were deliverers of God's people. Keep in mind the sin cycle. They were deliverers for God's people. There are a total of 13 judges in this book. Six, we get a lot of detail, and seven of them, we get less detail. Now, the book divides really nicely. If you're a note taker, you know I encourage you to be one. Chapters one and two, we have the introductory. Real nice division here in this book. We've got the introductory in chapters one and two. A lot of repetition of things we've already read in the book of Joshua. And then in chapters three through 16, this is the meat or the content of the book. In these chapters, you will see this sin cycle, or cycle of sin, that we talked about in chapters 3 through 16. And then in chapter 17 through 21, we have the conclusion of the book. In these chapters, we have examples and illustrations that help to shed light on the entire period. So you've got the introductory, and then you've got the content, And then you've got the conclusion, really simple, of the entire book. The book of Joshua has 24 chapters and covers 21 years. The book of Judges has 21 chapters and it covers 350 to 400 years. Scholars are kind of on both sides. 350 to 400 years. You see the difference here in this book that uh, Judges covers a, a huge period more period of time than the book of Joshua that only has 21 years. Here in Judges, we've got 350 to 400 years. Jewish tradition tells us who wrote the book of Judges. Not many people know, really. People scholar and banter about it, but scholars banter about it, but they really don't know. The book seems to suggest, and we'll talk about it when we get there because I don't have time, but the book seems to suggest that Samuel is the author of the book. Again, scholars are not 100% sure. Now, if you are one of those people like me who like to read the end of the book before I get through it, I'd like to just go to the last chapter. I got to see how the story ends, you know. I would fast forward a video just to see how the story ends. I mean, I just, you know, some some people are like that. If you're like that, then you can find out how this story ends. Turn to Judges chapter 21. Look, I'm going to tell you what the end of it is, all right? I'll just ruin it for you all, all right? Judges 21, look at this. Here's the end of the story. You know why? Because the end of the story gives us a flavor for what the whole story will be about. Interesting. Judges 21, look at verse 25. Judges 21, look at verse 25. Look at verse 25 if you're there, say amen. Amen. In those days, see here it is. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The last chapter, the last verse, tells us exactly what the entire book is all about. Sad but true, everyone did 
what was right in it. So only God can know that. Only God can read the heart. Only God, see, we think we're fooling God. We think we're hiding something from God. When in fact, God knows. God knows. And God can look down from heaven and look down on the earth and see the hearts of men. And he can make this statement with complete and utter boldness and assurity coming from God himself. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Just like the days of Noah, when he looked down and he saw in those days that the hearts of men were continually evil and wicked. And I look at the news and I see all that's going on in the world today and the awful, horrible things that people do to one another and the awful and horrible things that people do to unborn babies. I was watching on the television the other day and, and just mortified. I guess it never hit me that way. This whole subject of abortion, I always know it's evil. I know it's not good and I know it's not of God. But for some reason this day, it just kind of gripped me and I was I was. I was mortified. I was sad. I was, I, I, I didn't know what to think. I, I, I couldn't believe what people are doing for the almighty dollar and convenience and pleasure. And how dare we point our finger at the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Parasites and all the evil idolatry that they found themselves in in the high places as they sacrificed their children, as they put their little babies in a jar and stuffed them in the walls of the house, as they built their communities. And we go, oh, that's awful. That's terrible. But wait a minute. Do we not do the same thing in our country? It's not the same thing going on. And in the days of Noah, when God said the hearts of men were continually evil, can you imagine what God saw if what we see horrifies us? If what we see just in our community or in our country or or even in our world, the little bit that the media leaks out to us and most of which is not true. Can you believe if we are this mortified and saddened by it? Can you understand at all what God sees? That is why when God judges, God's judgment will be righteous, period. No one can argue with God. I don't think God's judgment is right. So, who are you? What do you know? You know nothing. God knows everything. And so God sees the hearts of men are continually evil and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's what this book is about. This is not going to be a fun ride over the next couple of months. If I start out this heavy, it gets heavier. Unbelievable. Now, look, let me let me just cover chapter one. I was hoping to cover chapter one through 20, but um, (laughs) it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So, uh, but who knows? Maybe. You never know. The book of Judges, chapter one. I'm glad you're here. You should make up in your mind. I'm going to come. You should make up in your mind right now. Go cancel your appointments. It's church. Look at verse one. If you're there with me, please say amen. amen. Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, then this is cool. They asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be first to go up against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. 
Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. We start out by being brought up to speed, if you will, after the death of Joshua. Now at this time, if you've been with us in the book of Joshua, you know at this time the main battles are over and the people of Israel have conquered about 31 kings, 31 nations of people. The war was already won, but there was still work to be done. We talked about these pockets of resistance. Isn't that just like the flesh? We have pockets of resistance even after we get into the promised land. These areas of the flesh are just holding out, man. God, I can't seem to get victory over that. Well, so it was true for the people of Israel. They got into the promised land and there were pockets of resistance holding out that still needed to be dealt with. Now, keep in mind, at this point, now that Joshua is dead, there's no national leader, no president, no prime minister, no king. Joshua is dead and the people don't know what to do. And so they do what we all should do when we don't know what to do, they ask God. They ask God. That's the right thing to do. And then God said, did you notice in your text, God said, okay, let's start with Judah. Judah shall go first. Why? Why Judah first? Now here, stay with me for a second. Just suggestion, speculation, if you will, my, my own speculation, suggestion to you, submit to you, possibly Judah first, because Judah, the name Judah means praise. Oh, you get it, don't you? Judah means praise. It seems to me that God is saying before we take on the enemy in battle, we need to go forth in prayer and praise. Now, I can see that there. Prayer and praise always pave the way to victory. Prayer and praise leads the way. Prayer and worship and praise should have first place in your life, even in the midst of battles. When the enemy is all around, God says, send out Judah. Send out praise. Now listen, maybe you're here and things are hot and heavy. Maybe you're here and there are pockets of resistance. Could I submit to you, why not praise? Why not pray? Why not worship the Lord? And when you do, what happens is God takes the spirit of heaviness and you get what? A garment of praise. Isaiah 61, 3 to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Read it with me. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Beauty for ashes? This word beauty is incredibly beautiful to me and interesting. This word beauty means headdress. This word beauty means exquisite hat. I was watching one of the TV preachers. 
And some of them folks, they be wearing some exquisite hats. You ever seen them? You're like this big. <laughs> They've got gold wrapped around. They touch the ceiling. It's like you can't miss these hats. They're like nice. I mean, they're cool. And this word beauty in Hebrew It means headdress. It means exquisite hat. So Jesus is saying to his people there in Isaiah 61, he says, let's sweep off the ashes off your head. And here's a beautiful hat. Instead of mourning, here's the oil of joy. Instead of the spirit of heaviness, here's a garment of praise. Question, are you heavy tonight? Are you heavy? Put on praise. Put on praise. Feeling blue? You don't know what to do? Put on praise. Don't you love it when people are wearing praise? This is something you can wear. Can't get it from Nordstrom's. Can't buy it. It's something the Lord gives. Put on praise. Got some battles to fight? It seems hot and heavy, put on praise. And the interesting thing about this garment of praise, the interesting thing about it is this garment of praise and the spirit of heaviness, you can't wear them both at the same time. No, 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 no mix and matching. Not here. Nope. You got to take off one and put on the other. So if you're wearing a spirit of heaviness, If you want to wear the garment of praise, you have to take off the spirit of heaviness and put on the garment of praise. But you can't wear them at the same time. It's either one or the other. A garment of praise. Man, is is that lacking in the church today or is it just me? Christians, Christian folks, Christian people. Godly people, people who say they love God, people who say they want to worship God, people who say that they, 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 they want to be the people of God, then, 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 then we should be people who are wearing this garment of praise. How often do you see people and how you doing? Christian people, how you doing? Well, you know, not so good. Well, what's going on here? Well, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with me and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, never mind. I mean, it's like heavy, man, as if because you had a problem, God died. I mean, people act like this. I'm telling you as a pastor, I know. People act like God died. Well, you don't know what's going on, and it's so bad, and all of these things. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Why not just simply cast off that spirit? Spirit of heaviness and put on a garment of praise. Someone said this, count your blessings and name them one by one and see what the Lord has done. Well, I don't have this and I don't have that and I don't have this. Well, what do you what do you have? I mean, seriously, what do you have? Well, then count your blessings and name them one by one and then begin to praise God for what he has done. Put on the garment of praise. Things hot, things heavy, send out Judah. Your life's messed up, send out Judah. Praise. I I really believe that. I I do believe that. If you've been here at Calvary Chapel, you probably heard this spiel before. 
because I believe it. You know, people come in and they want to counsel with me before service. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh No, 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 no. No, no, no. I hear the worship music going. Hear the worship music going. You know, I love to talk, but I got to go worship. You know what happens is, is you ever get caught? It's happened. I learned. You, I got caught, like, counseling people during worship. Counseling people during teaching. It's happened to pretty much all of us. And, and the worship's going on, and you're, like, telling them, you know, man, save your words, okay? Just tell them, look, stop. Time out, okay? Let's go to worship. I'll sit next to you. We'll worship the Lord together. We'll hear the teaching and then after service, let's get together. I'll buy you a cup of coffee. Take you to Burger King. Get you some fries. Barbecue sauce, not ketchup. You know what happens? God speaks to them during the worship. God, God just speaks to their heart during the worship, during the teaching. They come out and they go, you know, you know, I take a rain check on Burger King, man. <laughs> You know, God said this doing worship, and God said that doing the teaching, and, and God really spoke to my heart, and I think I got direction now. Thanks a lot, bro. And you go, yes, thank you, Lord. That's what I was hoping for. You see, because I, I really believe that God does really answer his people when we put our problems aside. That's why we have worship here. It's not filler. Worship's not time filler. Y'all should say amen there. If you've been here, you know that. Worship's not time filler till Rodney gets up and speaks. Oh, well, just, you know. I mean, you know, people approach worship like that. You know, well, let's just get over with. Well, lift your hands to the Lord. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.